Section 72 of the Book of Household Management. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wendelin. The Book of Household Management by Isabella Beaton. Chapter 30. General Observations on Preserves, Confectionery, Ices, and Dessert Dishes. Preserves. 1495. From the nature of vegetable substances, and chiefly from their not passing so rapidly into the putrescent state as animal bodies, the mode of preserving them is somewhat different, although the general principles are the same. All the means of preservation are put in practice occasionally for fruits and the various parts of vegetables, according to the nature of the species, the climate, the uses to which they are applied, etc. Some are dried, as nuts, raisins, sweet herbs, etc. Others are preserved by means of sugar, such as many fruits whose delicate juices would be lost by drying. Some are preserved by means of vinegar, and chiefly uses condiments or pickles, a few also by salting, as French beans, while others are preserved in spirits. We have, however, in this place to treat one of the best modes of preserving fruits. Fruit is an important item in the economy of health. The Epicurean can scarcely be said to have any luxuries without it. Therefore, as it is so invaluable, when we cannot have it fresh, we must have it preserved. It has long been a desideratum to preserve fruits by some cheap method, yet by such as would keep them fit for the various culinary purposes, as making tarts and other similar dishes. The expense of preserving them with sugar is a serious objection, for, except the sugar is used in considerable qualities, the success is very uncertain. Sugar also overpowers and destroys the sub-acid taste so desirable in many fruits. These which are preserved in this manner are chiefly intended for the dessert. Fruits intended for preservation should be gathered in the morning in dry weather, with the morning sun upon them, if possible. They will then have their fullest flavor and keep in good condition longer than when gathered at any other time. Until fruit can be used, it should be placed in the dairy, an ice house, or a refrigerator. In an ice house it will remain fresh and plump for several days, fruit gathered in wet or foggy weather will soon be mildewed and be of no service for preserves 1496 having secured the first and most important contribution to the manufacture of preserves the fruit the next consideration is the preparation of the syrup in which the fruit is to be suspended this requires much care in the confectioner's art there is a great nicety in proportioning the degree of concentration of the syrup very exactly to each particular case and they know this by signs, and it expresses by certain technical terms. But to distinguish these properly requires very great attention and considerable experience. The principal thing to be acquainted with is the fact that, in proportion, as the syrup is longer boiled, its water will become evaporated, and its consistency will be thicker. Great care must be taken in the management of the fire that the syrup does not boil over, and that the boiling is not carried to such an extent as to burn the sugar. 1497. The first degree of consistency is called the thread, which is subdivided into the little and great thread. If you dip the finger into the syrup and apply it to the thumb, the tenacity of the syrup will, on separating the finger and thumb, afford a thread, which shortly breaks. This is the little thread. If the thread from the greater tenacity and consequently greater strength of the syrup admits a greater extension of the finger and thumb, it is called the great thread. There are half a dozen other terms and experiments for testing the various thickness of the boiling sugar towards the consistency called caramel. But that degree of sugar boiling belongs to the confectioner, 
a solution of sugar prepared by dissolving two parts of double refined sugar the best sugar is the most economical for preserves in one of water and boiling this a little affords a syrup of the right degree of strength which neither ferments nor crystallizes this appears to be the degree called smooth by confectioners and is proper to be used for the purposes of preserves the syrup employed should sometimes be clarified which is done in the following manner dissolve two pounds of loaf sugar in a pint of water add to this solution the white of an egg and beat it well put the preserving pan upon the fire with the solution stir it with a wooden spatula and when it begins to swell and boil up throw in some cold water or a little oil to damp the boiling for as it rises suddenly if it should boil over it would take fire being of a very inflammable nature let it boil up again then take it off and remove carefully the scum that has risen boil the solution again throw in a little more cold water remove the scum and so on for three or four times successively then strain it it is considered to be sufficiently boiled when some taken up in a spoon pours out like oil 1498 although sugar passes so easily into the state of fermentation and is in fact the only substance capable of undergoing the vinous stage of that process yet it will not ferment at all if the quantity be sufficient to constitute a very strong syrup hence syrups are used to preserve fruits and other vegetable substances from the changes they would undergo if left to themselves before sugar was in use honey was employed to preserve many vegetable productions though this substance has now given way to the juice of the sugar cane 1499 the fruits that are most fit for preservation in syrup are apricots peaches nectarines apples green gauges plums of all kinds and pears as an example take some apricots not too ripe make a small slit at the stem end and push out the stone simmer them in water till they are softened and about half done afterwards throw them into cold water when they have cooled take them out and drain them put the apricots into the pie serving pan with sufficient syrup to cover them let them boil up three or four times and then skim them remove them from the fire pour them into an earthen pan and let them cool till the next day boil them up three days successively skimming each time and they will then be finished and in a state fit to be put into pots for use after each baling it is proper to examine into the state of the syrup when cold if too thin it will bear additional boiling if too thick it may be lowered with more syrup of the usual standard the reason why the fruit is emptied out of the preserving pan into an earthen pan is that the acid of the fruit acts upon the copper of which the preserving pans are usually made from this example the process of preserving fruits by syrup would be easily comprehended the first object is to soften the fruit by blanching or boiling it in water in order that the syrup by which it is preserved may penetrate through its substance 1500 many fruits when preserved by boiling lose much of their peculiar and delicate flavor as for instance pineapples this inconvenience may in some instances be remedied by preserving them without heat cut the fruit in slices about one-fifth of an inch thick strew powdered loaf sugar and an eighth of an inch thick on the bottom of a jar and put the slices on it put more sugar on this and then another layer of the slices and so on until the jar is full place the jar with the fruit up to the neck in boiling water and keep it there till the sugar is completely dissolved which may take half an hour removing the scum as it rises lastly tie a wet bladder over the mouth of the jar or cork and wax it 1501 
Any of the fruits that have been preserved in syrup may be converted into dry preserves by first draining them from the syrup and then drying them in a stove or very moderate oven, adding to them a quantity of powdered loaf sugar, which will then gradually penetrate the fruit while the fluid parts of the syrup gently evaporate. They should be dried in the stove or oven on a sieve and turned every six or eight hours, fresh powdered sugar being sifted over them every time they are turned. Afterwards, they are to be kept in a dry situation in drawers or boxes. Currants and cherries preserved whole in this manner in bunches are extremely elegant and have a fine flavor. In this way, it is also that orange and lemon chips are preserved. 1502. Marmalades, jams, and fruit paste are of the same nature and are now in very general request. They are prepared without difficulty by attending to a few directions. They are somewhat expensive, but may be kept without spoiling for a considerable time. Marmalades and jams differ little from each other. They are preserves of half-liquid consistency made by boiling the pulp of fruits and sometimes part of the rinds with sugar. The appellation of marmalade is applied to those confitures which are composed of the firmer fruits, as pineapples or the rinds of oranges, whereas jams are made from more juicy berries, such as strawberries, raspberries, currants, mulberries, etc. Fruit paste are a kind of marmalade, consisting of the pulp of fruits, first evaporated to a proper consistency and afterwards boiled with sugar. The mixture is then poured into a mold or spread on sheets of tin, and subsequently dried in the oven or stove till it has acquired the state of a paste. From a sheet of this paste, strips may be cut and formed in any shape that may be desired, as knots, rings, etc. Jams require the same care and attention in the boiling as marmalade. The slightest degree of burning communicates a disagreeable imprimatic taste, and if they are not boiled sufficiently, they will not keep. That they may keep, it is necessary not to be sparing of sugar. 1503. In all the operations for preserve making, when the preserving pan is used, it should not be placed on the fire, but on a trivet, unless the jam is made on a hot plate when this is not necessary. If the pan is placed close onto the fire, the preserve is very liable to burn, and the color and flavor be consequently spoiled. 1504. Fruit jellies are compounds of the juices of fruits combined with sugar concentrated by boiling to such a consistency that the liquid, upon cooling, assumes the form of a tremulous jelly. 1505. Before fruits are candied, they must first be boiled in syrup, after which they are taken out and dried on a stove or before the fire. The syrup is then to be concentrated or boiled to a candy height, and the fruit dipped in it, and again laid on the stove to dry and candy. They are then to be put into boxes and kept dry. 1506. Conserves consist of fresh vegetable matters beat into a uniform mass with refined sugar, and they are intended to preserve the virtues and properties of recent flowers, leaves, roots, peels, or fruits, unadulterated and as near as possible to what they were when they were fresh gathered, and to give them an agreeable taste. 1507. The last mentioned, but not the least important preparation of fruit, is the compote, a comfiture made at the moment of need, and with much less sugar than would be ordinarily put into preserves. They are most wholesome things, suitable to most stomachs which cannot accommodate themselves to raw fruit or a large portion of sugar. They are the happy medium, and far better than ordinary stewed fruit. Confectionery 1508 in speaking of confectionery, it should be remarked that all the various preparations above named come, strictly speaking, under that head. 
for the various fruits, flowers, herbs, roots, and juices, which, when boiled with sugar, were formerly employed in pharmacy as well as for sweetmeats, were called confections, from the Latin word confierce, to make up. But the term confectionary embraces a very large class indeed of sweet food, many kinds of which should not be attempted in the ordinary cuisine. The thousand and one ornamental dishes that adorn the tables of the wealthy should be purchased from the confectioner, and they cannot profitably be made at home. Apart from these, cakes, biscuits, and tarts, etc., the class of sweetmeats called confections may be thus classified. 1. Liquid confects, or fruit, either whole or in pieces, preserved by being immersed in a fluid, transparent syrup, as the liquid confects of apricots, green citrons, and many foreign fruits. 2. Dry confects, which are those, after having been boiled in the syrup, are taken out and put to dry in an oven, as citron and orange peel, etc. 3. Marmalade, jams, and pastes, a kind of soft compounds made from the pulp of fruits and other vegetable substances, beat up with sugar or honey, such as orange, apricots, pears, etc. 4. Jellies are the juices of fruits boiled with sugar to a pretty thick consistency, so as upon cooling to form a trembling jelly, as currant, gooseberry, apple jelly, etc. 5. Conserves are a kind of dry confect, made by beating up flowers, fruits, etc. with sugar, not dissolved. 6. Candies are fruits candied over with sugar after having been boiled in the syrup. Dessert Dishes 1509 with moderns, the dessert is not so profuse, nor does it hold the same relationship to the dinner that it held with the Asians, the Romans most especially. On ivory tables they would spread hundreds of different kinds of raw, cooked and preserved fruits, tarts, and cakes, as substitutes for the most substantial comestibles with which the guests were satiated. However, as late as the reign of our two last Georges, fabulous sums were often expended upon fanciful desserts. The dessert certainly repays, in its general effect, the expenditure upon it of much pains, and it may be said that if there were any poetry at all in meals, or the process of feeding, there is poetry in the dessert. The materials for which should be selected with taste, and of course must depend in great measure, upon the season. Pines, melons, grapes, peaches, nectarines, plums, strawberries, apples, oranges, pears, almonds, raisins, figs, walnuts, filberts, medlars, cherries, etc., etc., all kinds of dried fruit, and choice and delicately flavored cakes and biscuits make up the dessert, together with the most costly and, and rushery wines. The shape of the dishes varies at different periods, the prevailing fashion at present being oval and circular dishes on stems. The patterns and colors are also subject to changes of fashion, some persons selecting china, chaste in pattern and color, others elegantly shaped glass dishes on stems with gilt edges. The beauty of the dessert service at the tables of the wealthy tends to enhance the splendor of the plate. The general mode of putting a dessert on table, now the elegant tazas are fashionable, is to place them down the middle of the table, a tall and short dish alternately, the fresh fruits being arranged on the tall dishes, and dried fruits, bonbons, etc., on small, round, or oval glass plates. The garnishing needs a special attention, as the contrast of the brilliant colored fruits with nicely arranged foliage is very charming. The garnish par excellence for dessert is the ice plant, its crystallized dewdrops producing a marvelous effect in the height of summer, giving a most inviting sense of coolness to the fruit it encircles. 
the double-edged mallow strawberry and vine leaves have pleasing effect and for winter desserts the bay cuba and laurel are sometimes used in town the expense and difficulty of obtaining natural foliage is great but paper and composite leaves are to be purchased at an almost nominal price mixed fruits of the larger sort are now frequently served in one dish this mode admits of the display of much taste in the arrangement of the fruit for instance a pine in the centre of the dish surrounded with large plums of various sorts and colours mixed with pears rosy-cheeked apples all arranged with due regard to colour have a very good effect again apples and pears look well mingled with plums and grapes hanging from the border of the dish in a negligee sort of manner with a large bunch from the same fruit lying on top of the apples a dessert would not now be considered complete without candied and preserved fruits and confections the candied fruits may be purchased at less net cost than they can be manufactured at home they are preserved abroad in the most ornamental and elegant forms and since from the facilities of travel we become so familiar with the tables of the french chocolate in different forms is indispensable to our desserts ices fifteen ten ices are composed it is scarcely necessary to say of congealed cream or water combined sometimes with liquors or other flavoring ingredients or more generally with the juices of fruits at desserts or at some evening parties ices are scarcely to be dispensed with the principal utensils required for making ice creams are ice tubs freezing pots spaddle and a cellaret the tub must be large enough to contain about a bushel of ice pounded small when brought out of the ice house and mixed very carefully with either salt nitrate or soda the freezing pot is best made of pewter if it be of tin as is sometimes the case the congelation goes on too rapidly in it for the thorough intermingling of its contents on which the excellence of the ice greatly depends the spaddle is generally made of copper kept bright and clean the cellaret is a tin vessel in which ices are kept for a short time from dissolving the method to be pursued in the freezing process must be attended to when the ice tub is prepared with fresh pounded ice and salt the freezing pot is put into it up to its cover the articles to be congealed are then poured into it and covered over but to prevent the ingredients from separating and the heaviest of them falling to the bottom of the mould it is requisite to turn the freezing pot round and round by the handle so as to keep its contents moving until the congelation commences as soon as this is perceived the cover of the pot being occasionally taken off for the purpose of noticing when freezing takes place the cover is immediately closed over ice is put upon it and it is left in this state till it is served the use of the spaddle is to stir up and remove from the sides of the freezing pot the cream which in the shaking may have washed against it and by stirring it in with the rest to prevent waste of it occurring any negligence in stirring the contents of the freezing pot before congelation takes place will destroy the whole either the sugar sinks to the bottom and leaves the ice insufficiently sweetened or lumps are formed which disfigure and discolor it one fifteen the aged the delicate and children should abstain from ices or iced beverages even the strong and healthy should partake of them in moderation they should be taken immediately after the repast or some hours after because the taking of these substances during the process of digestion is apt to provoke indisposition it is necessary then that this function should have scarcely commenced or that it should be completely finished before partaking of ices it is also necessary to abstain from them when persons are very warm 
or immediately after taking violent exercise, as in some cases they have produced illnesses which have ended fatally. Do ladies know to whom they are indebted for the introduction of ices, to which all the fair sex are passionately fond of? To Catherine de Medici. So will not this fact cover a multitude of sins committed by the instigator of St. Bartholomew? End of section 72. Recording by Wendelin. February 6th, 2009.